Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. More breaks, Knowles football every Saturday through the month of November, and hopefully for one Saturday in December to get it going. Alongside Irish Show fellow managing editor of Warchant.com, my name is Tom Lang. This is the Monday Smash presented by our friend, State Farm agent Russ Forhis. More on Russ in a bit. Ira, how you feeling, man? The bye week. I'm so sorry that you were going through it during the bye week. That's when you're supposed to get a break, but uh, how's it going tonight? Good, man. I'm, no, I'm uh, kind of glad how it worked out. Because, uh, you know, it was uh, I didn't feel so bad about skipping practice last Wednesday and leaving that to you and the rest of the crew. Um, if it was a game week, I don't know. I, maybe I would have forced myself out there. Um, so, no, it was good, man. Uh, I'm, I'm getting close to being over it. Not totally over it, but uh feel good and excited for another game week, man. You know, watching those games Saturday, I don't know the last time I've had a Saturday to just watch college football. I feel like I don't even remember the bye weeks last year, but uh, it was cool to just watch all these other teams and kind of get a different perspective, I guess, on on the team we cover. Just feels like a wide open season, Ira. You know, it's yeah. you could look at it a couple of ways that, uh, you know, there are many teams that are capable of playing Florida State in a winner-take-all format in the playoff, and maybe Florida State doesn't come out on top, but then there aren't really many that you would say are, are definitely better than Florida State, and Florida State could beat any one of them. So it just... It's a strange year. Do you? When's the last time you could remember uh, a year where through four or five games, depending upon how many all these teams have played, that there's no real clear favorite like a Georgia or an Alabama or a Clemson or Ohio State? That's the way it's been since the the playoff has been a thing in the last ten years. Yeah, it is a little strange, um, and maybe that'll develop. Uh, but yeah, to this point, you know, it really hasn't. I don't know if that speaks to kind of the effects of the transfer portal on uh, on the game in general. Um, but yeah, there's no team that there's no team I've seen that I've said, okay, well, Florida state wouldn't be in that team's league. And, you know, even during the off season, when we thought this was a team that could contend for a, a championship, uh, in the ACC and, and maybe a playoff spot, you kind of wondered how they would match up if they got there. Could they play with a Georgia? Could they play with some of these teams? And yeah, man, I think they could. I mean, all, all these teams, um, you know, are a lot of these teams don't look dynamic either in one area or another. You know, Georgia's defense is good. Uh, I don't know that it's elite like it has been in the past. Um, and their quarterback doesn't really scare you. Uh, the, some of their skill players do. Bowers for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, so you just look at, you know, obviously Caleb Williams is amazing, but USC's defense is atrocious. Um, you know, so there's just every team I think probably has some sort of, you know, area where they're concerned just like, Florida State fans are concerned about areas of this team, um, with the exception so far maybe of Michigan, but that's just probably because we haven't seen them 
get exposed by anybody yet. They haven't really played anybody. Yeah, so looking at that, and uh, Director Ben behind the scenes puts up the, one of the top 25 rankings and how Florida State now is a top five team, but they drop again in one poll this this weekend. On a scale, Ira, of eh, it's much ado about nothing, win your games, and you're going to go where you want to go if you're Florida State too. Am I the only one here that's not nuts? What the hell did Florida State do to keep on dropping in the polls? Yeah. On that scale, where, where do you fit in? Because, uh, you know, today, earlier on the Jeff Cameron Show, uh, you could see it in the chat, the message boards, our social media. Uh, it's driving some people mad here that, you know, Florida State has two very impressive wins, and yet the world doesn't really feel like Florida State has those impressive wins on the resume. Yeah, it's weird. You know, I I think the thing that uh, I guess what, you know, when you, when you, again, when you sit down and kind of look at it, maybe people, maybe the voters felt like they overreacted when they put Florida State all the way up at three after they, they beat LSU. And then certainly the way LSU played this past week doesn't help, um, you know, anybody that already had that feeling. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's not a great thing. Um, I, I don't under, for what I think the, Cle- the Clemson loss to Duke was probably what really screwed things up because, yeah that gave a perception that Clemson's not that good. And Clemson gave Duke that game. I mean, Clemson, and, and I think the Clemson we saw against Florida State and the Clemson for most of the game against Syracuse is what Clemson is. I mean, they're, if they don't turn the ball over four times or whatever it was in that game, you know, they're going to beat Duke, and then that win looks better. But Clemson looks so bad. They look like they couldn't get out of their own way. So that game got totally devalued. Even though if you had watched it, you could see, man, Clemson's a super talented football team. Yeah, agreed. And it seems like Notre Dame being the top-ranked one-loss team in the country got a lot of credit for for beating Duke. So uh, this, right. it's fascinating. It's basically, if you want, it, it's how college football and the pollsters have, have been for a long time. Or whatever point you want to pick and harp on at a given time, you can. Uh, but the good news is, you know, this is for the taking. You know, this year, a spot in the playoff. Uh, you know, the whole prize, it just feels like this is a year to go ahead and take it. Who wants it? Who's going to go do that? And that's what Florida State sets out to do beginning this week. We're in October. They've only played one home game. Now they get to play three in a row. Uh, you know, you covered practice last week. You're out there on Tuesday. You hear the coaching staff today. W- what's your sense after, you know, attending all those press conferences, which Florida State does just before lunchtime on a Monday? What's your sense of the way that they were steering the ship for the bi-week practices and now setting the tone for the first of three straight home games as FSU looks to, you know, make the trajectory very clear that it's about Charlotte and it's about getting to the playoff if they take care of business. How did the coaches strike you today? You know, going back to even last week, just some of the things I was hearing around the program is, is I felt like there was some confidence that, that they knew why the offense wasn't really clicking the way they expected to click. And so I think there was some confidence, you know, I was just hearing, you know, around the program that, that, that there's a couple of things is, is a couple of guys get healthy and, or, um, you know, get a clearer picture of things than they really expected the offense to take off. I really liked a couple of the comments that were made today in the, the press conferences about how the team responded, how the team came back Sunday night. Um, you know, Alex Atkins talked about it. Mike Norvell talked about it. And I thought it was insightful because, a lot of times when a team has a bye week, you know, I think uh, Alex Atkins described it perfectly. You know, you, you just had a huge win and then you have a bye week. Sometimes that can lead to guys just kind of losing their focus a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they were really eager to see what the team looked like when they came back and when they got back to practice on Sunday night. And apparently, by all accounts, 
it was exactly what they wanted to see. There's a, a spirit, a, an attention to detail of a hunger that these players realize that this season is, is setting up perfectly for them. And yep. they've, they haven't played great yet, but if they do, they can have an amazing run. And so I think it was cool to hear that the players have that because to me, and then when you combine that with what they're asking the defense to start doing, really trying to set the tone on defense as opposed to being a little bit more kind of bend but don't break. Uh, I think all of that sets up for, I think, what could lead to, you know, a, a much more, a team playing with much more conviction here in these next couple of weeks. So let's do it this way then, uh, you know, the defense, everybody's been talking about it. It seems like the coaching staff and, and their remarks kind of match the criticism of, of the fan base, you know, like they see it and they're willing to talk about these things that the fan base might point out. That's not always the case with, a coaching staff at a press conference, and then the fans on the boards. They might talk about something completely different. Uh, but through the first four games, the defense has been largely successful, uh, and especially in every game, there's at least a small window of true dominance from Florida State's defense. And in a lot of cases, it's more than a half where the defense dominates and, and comes out on top and helps make winning plays for Florida State. But if Irish Ophel is giving an A-plus to an F-minus for Adam Fuller's defense through four weeks, now that you've had a little bit of time, to watch other teams around college football and some of the struggles that they might go through. Where would you put Florida State's defense in a grading scale of your own? And, uh, you know, maybe juxtapose that against what you heard from Adam Fuller today and what you think they're going to do moving forward. Are we grading them based on what we think they, their potential should be, or are we grading them just as a college defense? Just um, as a college defense. I, I think, you know, there's definite potential on both sides of the ball to be better than they have been. But right. so far, what you've seen against maybe your own expectations or, or the curve of college football, what do you think they've done? Uh, I think they've been about a B- minus on defense. Um, I don't, uh, you know, again, I mean, they've been good enough to, to win at Clemson. And the, the reason they were able to do that is they held Clemson to seven points in the second half. They were good enough to, to shut LSU basically out in the second half. So those are real positives. Um, but they've also had, you know, the first halves uh, of those games were not, were not good at all. I, I wouldn't go down to a C plus. I think I'd stay, stay around in that B minus range. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think to get to an A, uh, I don't know if they, you know, I don't know if they can get to an A. We'll see. Um, but I think they can get to a B plus for sure. And to get there, I think it's what, you know, they're talking about, which is, um, you know, just being more assertive. I think that was one of the, a word that when I went back and read the transcript, um, you know, Mike Norvell made the comment a couple of times about just playing more uh, aggressively and assertively. And we've, we've all used that word aggressively, like over the last week, like everybody's asked, throwing that word out there. And I think the perception is that, and he brought up, like the perception is that means you've got to send eight or send nine, you know, and, and just be ultra aggressive scheme wise. And what he was saying is we need to be more aggressive in how we tackle and how we cover and how we hit um, all the, and I, I, and how we take on blockers. And that's what I think they need. I mean, that's what I think to me, that's what's lacking. Even when they've like, when they played well, you've seen that come out at times, mm-hmm. but not consistently like Clemson completing all those slants all day. And, um, you know, Castellano species quarterback getting all those long runs on third and long situations. And just those types of things are not, uh, there's not, there's not an aggressiveness. There. There's not a conviction there. Yeah. And I, now that seems kind of nebulous. Like, I, I don't know what your thoughts are. I don't know how you, how you flip that switch, but I do think they're on the right track. Yeah. So if, if I was to do the thing that impresses me the most, 
and the thing that concerns me the most, the thing that's impressed me through four games is when Florida State plays physical, they're as physical as any defense Florida State has had in a long time. Uh, you could go all the way back to, you know, Jane Daniels uh, leaving his feet for LSU and coming down to earth in a, such a way that the referee had to pull Tatum Bethune aside. Um, you know, Bethune himself has probably four or five hits this season that you just go, oh, man, when's the last time a Florida State linebacker has been that assertive? And he did it again on a quarterback run up at Clemson. Uh, the physicality that Florida State had to play with in certain moments of the Clemson game to get downhill. Like, I remember I were in, in the fourth quarter, you know, Renardo Green got run over by Shipley. Yes. I mean, absolutely run over. Now, he was coming from a different part of the field, and he wasn't yeah. you know, perfectly he wasn't, squared. Yeah, he wasn't really squared up, but yeah. And then yeah. later in that fourth quarter, uh, he he lays out Will Shipley near the line of scrimmage, and he gets his revenge. You go, ooh, that is physical. Then they, Renardo makes the play on the perimeter on a third and one in overtime. We know that the decision's bad, but the play is about being physical on the perimeter. You've got to be able to do that, get downhill, and make that play. I think this defensive line, Ira, has been extremely physical. I don't know that they were always rewarded for it in the Clemson game because the umpire and that crew let them play. And there was tugging and, and grabbing and holding all over the place. And I know that John Papucha said today that that was Jared Verse's best game maybe as a, as a Seminole in his career. But they, are, they have been very physical when they want to be. And, and that's something that we have not seen around here in a long time. Would you agree with that at least? Yeah, I would. Um, but it almost – there have been enough times where it hasn't been there that mm-hmm. makes you – that has that kind of soured it. And that's what's kind of, you know – diminished their performance overall because um you know again probably most notably in pass coverage uh where they've just allowed so many completions when they were in the area or or too many cheapies um you know i think that from that standpoint and then also you know they've, they've been some they've been slap sloppy at times with tackling they've been sloppy at times when getting into the backfield chasing the quarterback maybe taking bad angles or missing yep, opportunities yep. So, so those types of things, like letting the other team off the hook, kind of like playing with their food a little bit. You know, I just, I think there's a, there's a difference. I guess that's, that's what it comes down to is like this, this defense has shown the ability to do some of those amazing things, but because they're not consistent with it, it it's, it's the difference between giving up, you know, having bad quarters and not having bad quarters. And, and so that, that could be there. But I don't know exactly how you – I don't know is Adam Fuller or the players, how they flip that switch. Yeah, agreed. So the number one concern I'd have is it looks like they're thinking out there a lot. You can tell that, you know, maybe in, in certain situations when they're in a zone, I, I know that there was a criticism today, you're allowed to cover a guy a little bit closer. You're allowed to get downhill and, and mark somebody man-on-man and pick him up quicker and, and be more decisive. You could see that there are moments that, you know, the, the linebackers against Castellanos and a couple of those runs – they're double covering receivers that are dragging across the field when that's not their responsibility. Why leave what you're where you are right now? You're, you are where you're supposed to be. Why go out over here? You know, stay at home and, and play with instincts. Uh, that would be the concern is at times it looks like they're thinking. And Ira, again, could it be a through line that what the fans want to see, which is getting downhill a little bit more man to man, being aggressive, uh, getting in the backfield and trying to force action and, and make some plays is exactly what the coaching staff wants to do here moving forward for the next eight games. It's just be more aggressive and, and downhill. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things that's that's happened here with the season, and we talked about a little bit on Jeff's show today, is is this schedule, because of the way it was set up, with two huge games of the first month and then that bye week, 
I, you know, I feel like it didn't give them a chance to kind of take a week by week approach and really figure out, okay, this is what we think this team is going to be best at. This is what this team's identity is going to be. And then like, okay, now we're going to work towards fixing it week by week uh, because you had, you know, and again, I'm not to make excuses, but right after the season opener against LSU, you did have a bunch of guys over the next couple of weeks get a lot of illnesses. I mean, there were a lot, and Mike Norvell finally talked about it today about how many guys have been sick over the last couple of weeks. You know, that could have changed a little bit in terms of like who was available and what can we change? And I think they, to me, it looked like they, they use this first month of the season to kind of like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to play. And then we'll take the bye week to kind of figure out, does this work? What doesn't work? And now we'll see what they do going forward. It may be there are some times where defensive players need a, a slim down package yep. so that they don't think as much. Some guys, it doesn't matter. They can play the same way. But I think now if the coaches are honest with themselves and honest with what they're seeing on the field, I think they're coming to those conclusions that, you know, we need to do some things to help these player, players play faster and more instinctive. Robert, thank you very much for the contribution and the kind words. He quotes Jared Verse calling on a lack of stats. If I go all year without a sack, it just means my teammate is one-on-one -on -one and you don't want that. Uh, you know, again, for even if Florida State is not lighting up the world, Ira, in tackles for loss or sacks on the quarterback, you're seeing a lot of impact plays being made. Uh, it, it sounds very um, Homerish to say they're close. They're close to having a big game. Yeah. But, you know, Josh Farmer stands out in the Clemson game and makes three or four plays that are just absurd, forcing the action from Klubnik, who played well. Uh, I thought Braden Fisk was a terror in the LSU game and has had his moments. Fabian Lovett took over a drive at Clemson. Uh, it was inside deep inside Clemson's own territory, they were backed up, where he's got a pass deflection and a big win early. They've had their moments on fourth and short. They stopped the run pretty well, but they just don't have a ton of those splash plays, um, you know, from Jared Verse specifically. And then Patrick Payton's made some, made some good plays as well. Do you think Florida State's defensive line, this is the last question before we get to the offense, do you think they're as good as we hype them up to be, or might there be a, a, a little room for improvement there? I think they're good. Um, but I, you know, I don't think because of like you talked about letting them play, like if, 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 if they're not going to call a holding every play. Right. And, and so the downside to rushing four is if they keep in an extra guy to block and you've got six guys blocking four, there could be a whole lot of holding going on. So sometimes, it, you know, you do have to bring pressure just because you got to get some guys in space to create some opportunities to, to, to make plays. So I think they're still as good as we thought we were. I, there's nobody that I would say has been less impressive than I expected other than maybe Fabian Lovett. I think maybe I expected a little bit more yep. production from Fabian Lovett. Um, and I think that'll come. He's a proven player. Uh, but as far as the group overall, yeah, I mean, I think they're still very talented. I think they'll make plays, but I don't think they're good enough to make, especially if the secondary is not going to be more aggressive. You know, and again, like lock on to their, their receivers. I mean, if 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 you're only going to rush four and the corners and, and safeties are not going to be very aggressive in their coverage, well, that's not going to be a very effective defense. So, uh, you know, that there's something need, there needs to be tied up. Yeah, I'm interested to see this next sequence of the three home games are because, you know, I, I think it very simply, you know, Florida State has played two very good opponents. And then they laid a bit of an egg in one of their layup games. And and this is all we've seen. But there's only four games of a sample size. Uh, Southern Miss, you did exactly what you're supposed to do. 
Boston College, you didn't. And then you played two very good opponents, which is more than a lot of different teams in, in the top 10 can say about what they've had in their schedule. If you're talking about Michigan or Washington or Oregon or, you know, to a degree, even Ohio State. Like I, I'm not sure what Notre Dame really is, Ira. I know that that game was close late, but are we are we really sure that both of those teams are at the peak of, of what they can be, what Ohio State has been? Like last year, they might have been the best team in the country. Are, are they on that level again? I'm not so sure. So that's where the defense is right now, and, and we're interested to see when Florida State plays more of these games like Virginia Tech and Syracuse and then Duke with maybe a backup quarterback. Do they start to rack up those numbers and show that dominance, which takes us to the offensive side of the football? You said B minus for the defense. If you're grading on a scale, is it also a B minus for the offense, or do you go somewhere else? I'd probably say a B yeah. um, for the offense. Um, and on that side, I know for a fact they can be an A, they can be an A plus uh, offense. Um, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, when you look at, the the reasons why that could be though, and this is why like I'm I'm very excited about what, what the offense is going to look like this week, um, and, and the next two or three weeks because if Robert Scott really is back out there, uh, extent for extended plays, extended series, extended drives, um, I think that is a huge difference. Maurice Smith just got back this past game. You know we get, we can't forget the fact that he didn't play against Boston College, he didn't play against Southern Miss, so you got him back. Um, you know, you might get Robert Scott back. You you maybe could put Bless, you yep. put Bless Harris back at right tackle. You've yep. also got, as you said, you've got Kentron Portier back. Kentron Portier in the spring we thought was going to be a, a legitimate star quality player receiver. And there have been times we've seen him look that way. He has not been available in the first month of the season. Mike Norvell said he may be back here soon. So um, Ja'Kai Douglas is expected to be back as well. So, again, now you're getting all of those parts together. I know the focus is on the running game, but I think, man, if you get Robert Scott back and if Jordan Travis is healthy, which I think he's getting close to healthy, I don't think you've got to solve a whole lot of problems with the running game. I think that's going to solve a lot of that. And now you you know, you know, put that with the receiving in the passing game, and I think you get back to an A pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and watching what happened this weekend, and, and it's not a great look uh, in terms of the strength of the schedule when you see how many yards and points LSU gave up defensively to Ole Miss. So nobody's going to argue that. I mean, that's a game that looked like a Big 12 game, you know, and, and that's not typical of what you see in the SEC. But every time you, you know, you're watching a play, somebody else is in the red zone, and it's just 10 minutes go by, and then there's a red zone possession and another one. If that was the NFL. Scott Hansen would be awfully busy uh, with the LSU and Ole Miss game. But at the same time, if you're just looking at defensive front versus offensive line, Florida State has seen two monster defensive fronts, and they've been able to produce in fits and starts against them. But I think one thing we've learned through four games, Ira, is there is no doubt that this offensive line is better when Robert Scott is on the field. We knew that about Maury Smith before they went on the trip to Clemson. But in the preseason, I mean, I'll cop to it. I thought, uh, I mean, if it's Bless Harris at left tackle and Jeremiah Byers at right, I don't know that there's that big of a drop-off you know, for the offensive line. And what we've come to realize is, yes, there is. There's a significant drop-off. Robert Scott could be one of the low-key MVPs for this team. If he gets back on the field and shows how healthy he is, that could change the way the offense runs, quite literally, the way they, they run the football. And I'll tell you what, again, go back and watch, people want to watch the Alex Atkins interview today. He said a couple of things that I thought were real insightful about that, not just that Robert Scott's a guy that can play. He's a good NFL-quality offensive tackle, but – he was second team all ACC last year, but the fact that you would have had 
you know, you have Casey Roddick as a first year transfer from Colorado left left guard. If he had Robert Scott next to him during these games, especially early in the year, it would be good for him to have a guy that's been in Alex Atkins' system for four years, Mike Norvell's offense for four years. And so he could kind of coach him through things. If Maurice Smith had been on the field for all those four, first four games, now he'd have two bedrocks next to him. And I'm not saying Casey Roddick's been a problem, but that's the kind of thing you would have. Instead, you have to move Blessed Harris over there. He played one game last year. I mean, he's been in the system now for two years, but that was his, over a year and a half, two years. But that was his only game last year was that season opener. So now you have him next to a guy who's brand new, next to Darius at center, who's not as comfortable as Maurice. So again, the, the, you know, we talked all offseason about how this offense had eight offensive linemen that they knew they could win with, and they do. But several of them were new to this system. And then when you lose Robert Scott and Maurice Smith, now you don't have what you originally thought you were going to have. And, and if that gets settled back in, I think that's just a huge deal. Yeah, I'd say, you know, again, if you watch those press conferences between Boston College and Clemson, and are you, you're in the room. I'm not. So I do want to get your opinion on the way it feels when, when you hear this coaching staff talk. I thought there was concern, like legitimate concern with what they saw. And then, you know, the magnitude of a game against Clemson, uh, you know, Mike Ravel didn't sound as assured as he has in, in some other cases. I just I found it was just a little bit unsure of himself, maybe of what he was looking at. And maybe it was because Jordan Travis wasn't completely healthy. So he didn't know what he was going to get in that next game. But it seems like they they feel better about what they're looking at after self-scouting during the bye week. And, and that's another benefit. It's not just about health, but it's, they've got time to assess what they've got. Uh, that's the way it felt as I watched on Warchant TV. But what, how did it feel in the room? And, and what do you think about the way the coaching staff presented today, especially offensively with some of the concerns that they have? Yeah, no, I think you're reading that 100% correct. I mean, part of it is they are going to be place, facing some not as imposing teams in these next few weeks. So that would make you feel a little bit better, a little less trepidation, you're, and you're going to be at home. I mean, think about that a week ago. You know, he Mike Norvell's trying to put on a brave face, obviously, but he has a quarterback. going. Think where Mike Norvell was a week ago. His quarterback had just gotten hurt at Boston College. Now he's going to play, and he knew he was going to play, but he got hurt. Um, he wasn't sure if he would have Maurice Smith. He, wasn't, he knew he probably wasn't going to have Robert Scott. And you're going up against the team. You're going to Clemson, uh, and or I guess this was two weeks ago. But yep. you, you know you're going to be going to Clemson. Unbelievable atmosphere with not all your not your whole team, not your whole offense. Now he feels like he's getting closer to having his full offense. Plus, you're you're going to have these few games here at home where you can really fine tune things. And again, as I sat there, and I I mean I you know I'm not necessarily going to change my outlook based on what their confidence is or, or, or lack of confidence is. But as, as we kind of sat there and went through it during the press conference, I, I I'm with them. I mean, I feel very excited about what this offense could do now. Now that you made it through that first month, you might get some of these guys back healthy and you have this stretch now where you can really kind of fine tune some things as opposed to just trying to get through the first month. Yeah, that's the exciting part of what's coming here. You know, our, if they were dominant, and and that would be great, obviously, but if Florida State was dominant through the first four games and, and didn't have many questions, I don't know how excited out of a bye week you are about the Virginia Tech challenge, like specifically the challenge of the game. You know, there's one of 12 in the regular season. You're always excited to a degree, but I'm fascinated by what they're going to do over these next three games because 
what they do on offense, if there are any changes beyond personnel, maybe the way they call plays, uh, the tempo, the formations, that's going to tell you without them going to the dais and speaking it aloud what they saw, what they think they can be better at. And I, I wonder if there is going to be any change at all, uh, it, how significant a change if there is. How do they call an offense? What do they want to be about? What do they want their identity to be moving forward? They've had time. They've got data points. They're undefeated. Jordan was hurt. They got through it. Now what do you want to be? And I think that's, you know, for a game that, according to Las Vegas, is somewhere between 25 and 30 points of a margin between Florida State and Virginia Tech, this is a fascinating game to see what they think of themselves and what this coaching staff thinks they can be moving forward. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing I would touch on also, you know, I was just thinking about this as you were talking, they also – as excited as everybody is about these new weapons they have in the passing game, Keon Coleman, uh, Jaheim Bell, Kyle Morlock. Um, we also have to remember it's their first year in this offense as well. And so, you know, they've been learning as they've all made nice plays, Keon and Jaheim particularly, but there's things they're learning about those guys as well. And those guys are learning or having to prove that they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing on every play. There was a play in the Clemson game. In one of the uh, third down incompletions that Jordan had, where he wasn't happy, Darion Williamson it looked like read the route wrong, mm-hmm. and and so Jordan was frustrated by that. Well, again, he didn't have Kentron Portier, he didn't have Jakai Douglas, so those are another reasons where I think as you get everything back together, it could look different. Um, as far as what they're going to be, yeah, this game is interesting, but like I also there's a there's a couple of, there's one really big question mark, and uh, and again you you. You start to look for reasons why games might be closer than you think. You know, they probably found something with their quarterback. Um, you know, Drones, who's now at quarterback Virginia Tech, is more of a, you know, running quarterback, 6'2", 235 pounds. You know, that's going to be a challenge. He's going to make some plays. So the only reason I say that is I don't think Florida State has to win this game 62-7 to for right. it to be, okay, they're, they're – they've flip the switch. They're going in the right direction. Uh, I think they're just playing, playing cleaner on offense, more efficient. That was a word that Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins both used today, being more efficient on offense, being more aggressive on assertive on defense. If those things happen, I think the score will take care of itself and, and it doesn't need to be something crazy. It just, you just want to see that progress. And that's what we're going to see uh, this Saturday is can I make that progress happen is a three thirty kick. For Florida State and Virginia Tech, Florida State's game against Syracuse is not known yet. It's either going to be a noon kick or a 7.30 start at Doak for the Syracuse game. It's a six-day option, dreaded six-day option. The ACC is going to make a determination between Syracuse and Florida State and Miami and North Carolina for those two slots, either early in the day or later in the day. We'll see what Florida State can put on film between now and then to make that determination. For the 400-plus of you, this is the Monday Smash presented by our friend State Farm agent Russ Forhis. His services are available throughout the state of Florida, throughout the state of Georgia and Alabama, an expert in the insurance game. Russ Voorhis is also a long, long time Noel supporter and an OG at Warchant.com supporting us since before I or there was a Warchant TV and there was a multimedia wing to Warchant. Russ has been around forever and he can help you with any of your needs. If you've got questions, if you want clarification uh, and you're not pleased with maybe the way that your insurance is going right now, there are two phone numbers there for Russ, also RussVorhis.com for more information. Those are the physical brick-and-mortar locations of his offices, Ira. 
But Russ is uh, an expert to be able to support anywhere in our southeastern footprint on Warchant TV. Yeah, exactly. And it is one of those cool relationships where there was a personal relationship for Gene and Russ going back years and years and years. And and I've got to know him. He's a really good guy. So it just works out perfectly that he's got a business that caters to a lot of Knowles. He's a Knoll. And we obviously have a great audience of Knowles as well. And and as you said, he support or can uh, provide services throughout the Southeast, particularly Florida, Georgia, Alabama. And, uh, you know, give him a call, give him a uh, check out the website. I think they'll give a, you can get an online request for consultations and things like that as well. And uh, definitely highly recommend Russ and hope you guys give him a chance. He supports Florida State athletics in a big, big way, does Russ. Uh, he's a diehard. Uh, if you're a member uh, of the staff at Warchant.com, chances are you've had a few text conversations with Russ about the Knowles. Very passionate fan, just like you all out there. Thank you to our sponsor, Russ Forhis. Before we take a short break to hear a 15-second message from Russ, he's also he doesn't like those 90-second ads. I love that about him. They're, they're quick ads, Ira. Uh, but we're going to open up the, the questions uh, for questions the rest of the show. wanted to start with one from R. Wilmer that I thought was a good question. So we'll do one of those, take a quick break, and then the rest of your questions to finish out the Monday Smash. Do you think we get off to a faster and successful start on offense this week? And, and Ira, this is a good question in two ways. Do you think they're going to be a little bit cleaner to start but then I also think if you're just talking about a series of downs, first through fourth, you know they've been talking a lot about third down success, and Mike Norvell had an answer about third and fourth working together in some way. Now, if they get to second and five or second and two a little bit more often, they're going to be a hell of a lot more successful on third down. What do you think about fast starts for Florida State, either in a game, the first quarter, or in a series of downs, success rate on first down? Yeah, you know I think that's a big deal. And I also thought it was interesting, one thing Mike Norvell I think it was Norvell. It might have been Atkins. One of them said today, it was Norvell. He said that, you know, some of the shot plays they've taken down the field were, you know, could have been runs. Those are decisions Jordan's making at the line of scrimmage. And so I think part of this week also could have been good for Jordan to think about, okay, if, you know, you may think it's there, but if we don't get it, where does that leave us? Um, And so some of those decisions from Jordan's standpoint, I think will be, um, crucial as they go forward as well. Because again, there's it's great to have confidence in these wide receivers. But, you know, those those shot plays are not going to be as consistent. They're not going to be as high as percentage just by definition. So taking, uh, especially at different t- certain times of a game where it's just good to establish some rhythm and get everybody into the offense, um, I think it's something that they've been working through. And I think you're going to see that going forward. And if they do that, then, man, I really like their chances of getting into a lot more third and manageables because especially the Clemson game, it was a lot of deep pass on first down, run on second down. Now you're in third or eight, third and nine against that defensive front, and that's not the offensive line's fault at that point. That's a, 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 a function of the entire offense that you're in this situation where it's going to be really difficult to protect. My man Spencer coming through with the Super Chats. Thank you very much, Spencer. He says he loves the show and the information provided, and that's a very generous donation. Uh, Spencer is another guy, Ira, who's a a huge Florida State fan. Uh, You might see him in Cary, North Carolina for the College Cup in a given year or over at the Florida State Soccer Complex or maybe behind home plate at Florida State Softball. Uh, Thank you very much, Spencer. He's a friend of the program, but that uh, that is too generous. Thanks, sir. Appreciate it. So we're going to take a 15-second break to hear more from our friend at RussVorhis.com. That's State Farm agent Russ Vorhis. This is the Monday Smash. We'll be right back on Warchant TV.
Contact Russ Boris for an auto quote today. We're going to honor the request of Seminoles for the win 23. He wants a moment of silence for UF after that embarrassing performance on Saturday. Thank you for honoring that moment of silence for Florida as Kentucky has a three-game win streak, Ira, for the first time since, what, was Eisenhower president? Uh, the last time that Kentucky beat Florida three straight? Interesting times in Gainesville. You know, it's funny. When they had that Tennessee win, I thought, okay, all right, we'll see what you're doing here, Billy. And then, uh, yeah, no, not so good. They won. I think they beat Charlotte 22-7, to which, you know, you can kind of live with as long as you go out and play well against Kentucky. They were never in that game. I mean, Kentucky dominated that football game on both sides of the ball. Florida looked like they didn't want to be there. Agreed. Uh, also, your uh, your nickname, Ira Don, is called going with the Silver Wolf. What do you think? That's a little bit more predatorial than Silver Fox. What do you think about Silver Wolf? <laughs> well, any, anything you want, buddy. Anything you want. Although <laughs> I still think there's some black up there. People tell me there's not. Uh, my kids tell me there's not. So we'll go either way. Well, the the black hair can fight back, Ira, because you know now you're not covering dysfunction left and right for the football program. <laughs> Uh, it's a little less stressful. For, right, right. Uh, at Warchant.com and Warchant TV. Plenty of content right now over at the website, Warchant.com, including a piece tonight about the defense. Uh, Corey Clark penning something stemming from today's press conferences. And remember, everybody, uh, Iris 321s and practice coverage. Uh, it starts again tomorrow in earnest. Florida State is back in a routine. No weird weekday games, no bye weeks. This is going to be the routine moving forward. On Tuesday mornings and Wednesday mornings, you can expect head-to-toe coverage of Florida State practice from the football fields it's going to be a really fascinating push if you want to join the website uh, it's one dollar for your first month just head over to warchant.com today it's one dollar for your first month give it a shot you're not going to give it up Uh, this is an awesome year to be covering florida state and we've got so many legitimate questions and we will go to those questions now here on warchant tv so director ben behind the scenes what do we have next on the monday smash presented by state farm agent russ for his the question is for Silver Wolf Chief. My God. He's, Don, can you get to 12 terms? It's like a, when Apollo Creed got introduced in Rocky, and uh, and Rocky says, you got enough nicknames? Uh, can the Knowles get this running game going? Very simple question. What says the Silver Wolf Chief, Ira? Uh, I do think they will. I mean, I think that, uh, again, Robert Scott getting back is big. Maurice Smith coming back in the last game was huge. You didn't get to see the results of it necessarily because you're playing against that Clemson defensive front. And they just weren't going to run the ball a whole lot. But I think if you have Maurice and Robert back, I think that solves a lot of problems. Um, and I think that's going to help out the backs a lot. I also thought Trey Benson, it got lost in the story of the game because he didn't carry it a whole lot. But I thought he ran much more aggressively and more physically in that game as well. So I think the running game is going to get on track. Yeah, I was I was interested to see. You know, sometimes, Ira, we mirror uh, civilians. We watch a game and we see something. But it's not really true. Like the coaches will tell you that. May have looked a certain way, but that's not how we were calling it. That's not how we're designing it. I was going nuts in my own living room watching Florida State at Clemson. There are a couple of runs that are blocked up, I thought. One for Lawrence Toafili, one for Trey Benson, and, and they got nothing out of it. And it just it drives you mad sitting on the couch because if you're not as consistent in blocking it up and being in a position to hit a home run, when it's there, you got to nail it. And yes. the coaching staff today said that there were a couple of times where they did everything right it's just the back's got to be the one to to help it look good and look as good as it actually was on film. That's right. uh, I would think that there's more urgency from the backs moving forward here. Yeah, I think what happens sometimes, and again, this is you know not to excuse it for them, but like if it's not there all the time, I think they lose confidence and and they're not as aggressive. I thought there were there's at least one run with Lawrence where I mean if he has his eyes open, 
and and is really like looking to be attack the defense. It could have been a huge game, but it almost felt like he was not expecting it to be open. And he just kind of ran into the pile. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I think, but I think that gets, I think it's easier for the backs to do that when they're getting consistent blocking. We'll see what these numbers look like a month from now. I'm going to be fascinated. You know, they're through four games. Trey Benson's your leading rusher. There it is just under 200 yards. Only one other Florida state running back is over a hundred through four games. That's nuts. I would have never envisioned that Ira, but there it is. Rodney Hill is actually Florida State's second leading rusher to this point. We'll see what it looks like again after Florida State plays three straight home games. Next question on the Monday Smash presented by State Farm agent Russ Forrest on Warchan TV. Remember to hit that like button underneath the video. Hey, it's Wes from the Villages. Hey, Tom, what time is the pregame show starting on Saturday? And well, a promo question. Why, thank you, Wes. That's fantastic. Look forward to seeing you as well at Hotel Indigo. That is a 12:30 start on Saturday. 12:30 starts the pregame show. Goes 12.30 to 2.30 from the seventh floor overlooking Florida State's IM Fields, which is the giant parking lot on a game day where all the great tailgates take place and Doe Campbell. So Ira, Florida State finally gets to play a few home games consecutively, but it's a 3.30 kick followed by an opportunity against the Syracuse team that you know Clemson took care of. Uh, and it was a great spot for Syracuse to get Clemson uh, coming off of an emotional kick, a noon start to that game. Uh, but Florida State's got a chance to get right and, and maybe quiet a lot of these a lot of these complaints with two home games, just their second and third of the season coming up in the next you know two weeks. Yeah, and Clemson's solid. Uh, Virginia Tech, you know, again we talked about they've shown a little life getting that win against Pitt. Obviously, beating Pitt at home, but this is not a very good Pitt team. And then going on the road and competing with Florida State's a totally different story. Um, but I think that's a perfect game in this situation. And then Syracuse is kind of a step up. And then Duke is going to be the next really big test for this football team because Duke's good, especially uh, if their quarterback's healthy. We don't know yet. They did say that he uh, had a high ankle sprain and will probably be out a, a few weeks. The game is in basically three weeks, so we don't know yet whether or not they're going to have their quarterback. And if they do have him, how how mobile he's going to be. Yep. Um, but either way, it should be a good game. Duke's defense is legit. And, uh, you know, again, I think that this is – I like the way this month sets up in terms of kind of gradually getting stiffer challenges. It's uh, one big happy family in the War Chant multimedia teams, and, and this is what I mean. It's 12.30 for Hotel Indigo's pregame show on Saturday, but if you would like some yay sausage on a, on a game day, the official provider, Ira, of that number one tailgate item at Hotel Indigo, thanks to our friend uh, Jay Green working with Ben from Registers, is Register Sausage. So what is better, if you're a headliner out there tuning in tomorrow War Chant TV at 1 o'clock, then coming by saying, hey, enjoying some yay sausage on a yay game day. Pretty good, Ira. It's awesome. In fact, last the, the the only other home game, I was talking to a couple of people who had registers for the first time at the game in a little hot dog bun um, or sausage, I don't know, sausage roll, hot dog bun. But, you know, <laughs> it's basically like a, a sausage is a hot dog. And uh, they could not say enough good things. So excited about it. Now, next up on the Monday. Smash. Wait, hold on. What was the text about the O's? Hey, Ira, our O's and the 40-year drought yes. down filling in five, complete in 83. Oh, boy, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that's what happened in 1983. Is that true, Ira? It's uh, No. Um, well, I mean, it wasn't a 40-year drought. Yeah. Well, I guess he's saying it's 40 years since the last time they won a World Series. Okay, so he's saying that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a, a rerun of that. Yeah, that's who they played then. They played the Phillies in 83. Okay, Ira, it's a night kickoff. This is not actually what's happening. This is not what's happening, folks. This is a fictional scenario, but I, I wanted to take it 
to tonight kickoff, Snuggy Hill, the end of this month. Florida State wants to take that hill. Is Ira watching Baltimore Orioles baseball in the press box at Snuggy Hill while presiding over his day job, which he cares about greatly, but not as much as the O's? Are you pulling double duty, Florida State roadie to Wake Forest and still watching Baltimore Orioles baseball? Uh, yeah, man, I'll be, I'll be paying attention to the baseball. I mean, yeah, 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 I'll I'll be paying attention if they're still playing. Yeah. It's, uh, this is the cool thing about this whole experience has been, um, and again, this is an Orioles headline or Orioles smash, but, uh, we, you know, it's cool to be a fan of sports today. Like I, I haven't had that, you know, like I'm, you know, like the people watching this, you guys are fans of Florida state. There's access to so much information from us and then all the other outlets to cover Florida state and you get to see all the games. But the last time I really cared about the Orioles, like I didn't have the MLB MLB package. I didn't have wall to wall coverage of everything they do. So that's been really cool and uh, definitely enjoying it. And I don't know how I'm going to, uh, yeah, uh, game days are going to be a challenge. So they're going to be playing Saturday. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what time Florida state, excuse me, what time the, the first game is for the Orioles, but they'll be playing the same day as the Virginia tech game. Would you and Corey, and this is, I'm going to be a headliner question. This is ahead of tomorrow. Would you and Corey commit to a road trip back and forth between Atlanta and Baltimore for a World Series? Like, we'll hold it down here. We'll cover the team, and then you guys can write, and we'll send you the audio from practices. But would you guys do a video series in which you drive back and forth from Atlanta to Baltimore and, and go watch the two teams go at it for the World Series? I think one of us would end up killing the other one. But, but it's something to think about. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I think we all would – this would be must-see television. You know, road trips with with Warchan staff is it's got its own cult following these days. Excellent content, um, but uh, we'll see what happens for you, Braves fans out there. Good luck. All the pressure's on you. You guys should win. If you don't, it's a terrible disappointment. Uh, <laughs> next question on Monday Smash presented by State Farm Agent. I'm jealous. I, it's true. Uh, if we are aggressive, can we depend on guys keeping their assignments? Says Island Chief. That's a great question. Uh, I'll start with it. You know, bringing pressure means you got to get home. If you don't, something's going to be open. You know, and if you're talking about blitzing and bringing extra guys, you know, there's a great play, Ira, made by Renardo Green on a third and 12 against Clemson where they bring pressure. It's a one-on-one. You, you'll you give up the slant underneath, no problem. But Renardo better make that play or else the receiver's going to be running for a long time. And they force a fourth and four. Renardo cleans it up. They punt. Uh, but that's the give and take of being more aggressive. Uh, what say you? Right. No, I agree. Thanks. Thanks for pointing that out and asking that question, Island Chief. Uh, you know, it's one of the things I was texting with Corey and Aslan over the weekend, like looking at, you know, Corey liked the way NC State's defense was playing uh, in their game Friday night against Louisville, just the way they were being so aggressive. And it's like every snap, they've got seven, eight guys on the line of scrimmage and they're dropping back into coverage and zone blitzes and all these different things. And it's like, that's what kind of Corey wants to see after seeing Florida State's defense be a little bit more, you know, passive i guess you'd say yep. but you know nc state also gave up 45 to notre dame notre dame could barely get out of their own way on offense in these last couple of games they had 45 against nc state so there's a trade-off sometimes it, it you know like adam fuller said today if if i thought blitzing every play if blitzing every play was going to work we would do it all the time so i think that the truth is somewhere in between i think they can be more aggressive than they've been but yeah the island chief's point i mean yeah that you are going to tend to give up some plays. And I think we also need to take the context of last year, you know, last year's defense. And it's a lot of these same guys. They did not, they were, they were not very aggressive last year. Cause I don't think they had confidence in those guys and they didn't want to give up a lot of big plays. Well, now 
they're going to start asking them. I think they're going to ask them to be more aggressive, but that could lead to some big plays. And then you have to deal with the replication repercussions of that. So, but the reality is they haven't been stopping big plays so far. They've been giving up a lot of big plays this year. So you're not really even getting that result that you want. Yeah. Might as well go hundred miles an hour. If you're right. going to be giving up explosives anyway. Uh, let's see Spartan. Oh, Hey Spartan. I hope you're doing well. He's living on the edge. Tomcat. Do you think the linebackers are better than this time last year? Uh, I think the world's better. Are they perfect? No, but I think I they're healthier uh, and they're making more plays. It doesn't mean that they're – this is maybe to, to the discussion that you just had. Maybe it's a little bit boom or bust, but they're making more plays than they did last year, I think. What, what do you think? Yeah, and this is – you know, I, we were so excited. How excited were we in the spring of 2022 when we first saw Tatum Bethune? Like, mm-hmm. I was excited. I thought he was going to be a heat-seeking missile. Um, you know, not Derek Brooks, but I thought he would be a very good college linebacker, very aggressive, uh, very and show some athleticism. Last year, he got worn down. He wasn't healthy. And maybe Deloach was as well, but Tatum definitely was. And so he was still their second leading tackler, despite never really being healthy in a lot of weeks, not even really practicing. So it's been cool to see him full speed, full strength, Kalen getting more and more comfortable. Yeah, man, I think they played well. They're not the best linebackers in the country, but I I think they played really well. Yeah, I agree. Look, the depth is uh, not where it needs to be. There are some guys who might get some opportunities the second half of the season. It'll be interesting. Uh, Florida State talked about it in the defensive back room. You met, you mentioned this on the on the JCS today, Ira. But you know, just because you're young doesn't mean you can't play. You know, you, you can earn your way on the field. Blake Nicholson's going to have an opportunity, I think. That's a good point. I was really wondering about that as well. I, he definitely specifically came. Adam Fuller talked about wanting to get some of the younger guys in into the action more, force that in these next few weeks. But then he later he followed up by specifically talking about the young DBs. But I think you're 100% right. I think it's the young linebackers too. I think it's uh, Blake Nicholson. I think it's probably also a guy from Northwestern. Yeah, Cryer. uh, Cryer, 28. Um, So I think those two guys particularly maybe as well. And now, you know, again, that's not to say Omar Graham or or DJ Lundy are not going to be factors, but, you know, they, I think they want to push some of these veterans with these talented young guys because they've got a lot of really talented young guys on that defense. Alex Atkins said it before the season started. His favorite thing is to bench old guys for young guys. I haven't been able to do it on the offensive line, but in general, this coaching staff's not afraid to play young players. You go all the way back a couple of years ago for the revelation that was Amarian Cooper. Now that his career didn't continue down that path, but it was, wow, where did this guy come from? They're although, not him. although he's looking really good at Colorado. He's made yeah. plays at Colorado. It's weird. I, I still don't know. It's going to be a mystery. I don't know what happened to him last year. Yeah, and that's uh, maybe a, a deep dive. He wasn't, he wasn't healthy. I think that's part of it, but yeah. But still, yeah, they wanted him to be a safety this spring. He didn't take to it. It's um, You could see why they were looking for safety help <laughs> this spring in, in retrospect. Yeah. Uh, Daryl, do you think we will solve the problem defending another mobile quarterback? Seems like everybody's got one. Uh, Garrett Schrader's coming to town in a couple weeks, too, Iron. He's a physical runner. Uh, do you think Florida State will solve the problem of the mobile quarterback? It's an issue for everybody, not just Florida State, but what do you think? Yeah, I, I'll be curious to see how they how they handle it. You know, it, it's like the Jane Daniels, they were, they've all been kind of unique situations. And, and then a lot of it depends on what kind of weapons you have at wide receiver as well, uh, whether or not they have to – they could sell out to stop the running quarterback or not. Um, this guy's a – you know, he hasn't played a ton – uh, he had a lot of success running against Pitt's defense, which doesn't look like a normal Pitt defense. And they were at home this week. They're coming to Tallahassee. I think Florida State needs to just—I mean—they need to wear him out. 
and, and the difference, again, Castellanos, you weren't going to get a finger on it. I mean, the, the problem with a guy like Castellanos from BC is you, you rarely almost ever get a good hit on him. So you can't really, you know, you know, kind of give him reasons to not want to run the ball as much. Mm-hmm. But with a big dude like this, I think they have the ability to do that. Now he's going to be able to deliver punishment too. He's he's a big kid, 235 pounds. But I think you're going to see them really be physical with him, and that, that could deter a little bit of that. It's a fun subplot for this game to see how much inspiration they play with. You know, yeah. do they come out of the bye week with their hair on fire? The coaching staff, I think, has has coached them that way in practice. The bye week, they didn't they didn't relax in, in the way that they were messaging. It would be fascinating to watch on Saturday afternoon. To the nearly 500 of you watching, this is the final 10 minutes or so of the Monday Smash. Get those questions in in the chat and hit the like button. This is Monday Smash presented by our friend State Farm agent Russ Forhis. The show will be back on Sunday night this week, so we're back into the flow. Sunday night, 7 o'clock. We'll see you then for the next edition. Get down or lay down. Uh, he's looking at Billy Napier saying, Mm-mm, not going to work. Will Florida's interim coach have them ready to play Florida State by the end of the year? That's a massive buyout, Ira, if it goes that way. But you could see where, you know, given Florida's issues, how many W's are left on the schedule. Fascinating times. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I will say this. There's plenty. I mean, you just talked to Florida fans. We all have friends who are Florida fans, and, and a lot of them are done. The media is starting to go after him. I'll say this, though. It probably is going to tie up to whether or not they want to fire. I mean, if they they fire him, it's going to be Strickland, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be a, a package deal. If, one, if, if either one of them gets fired, I think they both get fired. And uh, I don't think it's out of the realm that it happens after this year. Um, but if they can win seven games, I think he can hang around. But if yeah. it's six or less, I think, yeah, man, they may be in trouble. Mm. They might be in trouble. Uh, well, it's a hell of a thing. We'll document it on the smash as the season <laughs> goes along. Do you think we will focus more on our slot receivers in the coming weeks? Weldon Taylor. Uh, nice name, Weldon, by the way, first of all. Uh, there's a lot of greatness in that first name of yours. Uh, what do you think, Ira? Does Destin Hill exist once again? Does Winston Wright, maybe a Ja'Kai Douglas, Cantron? What about that receiver room? That was my favorite comment. We put up the uh, depth chart on the website this morning when FSU released it as they do every Monday morning. And I put it up on the message boards. And the first response was because this week, the one change was Ja'Kai Douglas is listed as a co-starter with Winston Wright and Destin Hill at slot receiver. And uh, the person was like, I don't know why we list the slot receiver since we're never going to throw to him anyway. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I do think you'll see more of it. The problem is getting them on the field. I mean, they're not even really on the field very much. They've been so much with two tight ends. And then you've got, you know, the two outside receivers are really talented. I mean, they just haven't, you know, it's not like, it's not like Destin Hill has been on the field, on the field or Winston Wright's been on the field for 40 snaps a game and not getting the ball. A lot of times they're not even in the game. Um, so I, I think that'll maybe change as they move forward and, and look at opportunities to maybe uh, attack some teams a little bit more over the middle. Um, but I can't say for sure because we, we haven't seen it yet. Uh, what do you think? Well, uh, you know, that, that depth chart, unfortunately, the way you share the tabs, you can't zoom in as much. So if, it, if you didn't read that, folks, don't worry about it. It doesn't mean your eyes are going bad. <laughs> it's just a very small photo. Um, I think I want to see a few plays in the upcoming weeks. I maybe there is a one-on-one and they take it underneath. Like, I want to see if there was a point of emphasis. I think what Jordan does, even if there's a one-on-one with Johnny or Keon, what he does tells me how he was coached during the bye week. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I'm That's fascinated to see. Yeah, it's um, a good point. Yeah, Jakai, Jakai and also, is, and to give him and to give him the benefit of the doubt too, he's because he's a senior quarterback. There could have been situations where they sat down as a group and said, "Like, yep. 
what do we what what are we not doing that we need to be he may have kind of if that happens he may have been part of that process correct and and I for the Clemson example specifically they covered very well Clemson covered very very well there were times there were things open over the middle but they're bringing pressure you you don't have much in the way of a, a third a fourth second to go through your reads and then hit somebody over the middle Ira the one-on-one is a correct decision you just you know, you want a little bit more flow to the offense. They've been plus good. again, man, with those linebackers in the middle of the field, man, I'm not thrilled about throwing the ball yeah. in that part of the. I mean, they're, you know, those the you won't see better linebackers in Clemson at no easily. And that's the other thing, like we, you know, we talk about it in the preseason, then you blow past the game, and and you're like, well, what do you need to do better? Well, you're going to play worse players. <laughs> they're going to be, <laughs> be worse competition on the other side of the field. You just got through the most talented defense, top to bottom, that you're going to see in the 12 game schedule. So now go make it look like you've gone past, you've gotten past the best defense you're going to see. Gator Kirk, what's up, Gator? From the 757. Hope to talk to you in the postgame show on Saturday, good sir. Fuller has said since his hiring that the defense would dictate what the opposing offense was going to do after three-plus years. When is this going to happen? Fits and starts this year, but that's a good pointed question, Ira. What, what do you think? It is. Gator Kirk's one of the people that listens to every press conference mm-hmm. and keeps them all in context because now nah, that's a good point. That was definitely a message from Adam Fuller when he first got to Florida state. Um, you know, I mean, the reality is, and those things sound great in introductory press conferences, but part of it is like finding out what you've got. And, and, you know, if we think back to those first couple of years, they had defensive players that didn't believe in what they were doing uh, on the whole team. You had players on those teams that didn't really believe in what was happening and they weren't all bought in. And I think we saw that start to change over the last year, year and a half. Um, so now I think you're seeing more of it. Um, yeah, man. But I, I agree. I mean, I think there's a, there's a, um, you know, again, there's a, there's a, if you've got, you know, you went out and got Fentrell Cypress because he was an all ACC cornerback. You, you believe in Renardo green. I think there's a lot of people at FSU who think he's an NFL cornerback. You know, you've got, uh, some questions though, you know, when Akeem Dent gets hurt, um, you know, so maybe that shows that maybe they haven't been as confident in the safety play. Um, but yeah, man, at some point you got to go for it. I mean, I think, and, and they've done it when their backs against the wall, I guess the point Adam Fuller, if you watched the, today's interview today, his point that he kept making was we shouldn't have to need our back against the wall for us to play with that aggression. And I think the message he's probably also sending to them is just because we're not calling a blitz or just because we're not calling, um, you know, some exotic defense, that doesn't mean you can't be on the attack. Right. And right. so that needs to come from them as well. And so I, I, you know, I think again, it's a fair question. It's a fair criticism. Um, I think they think it's, it's coming, um, but we'll have to just see. Yeah. If you're not playing press across the board, it doesn't mean you, you can't be physical. Um, but I, I think if a lot of people are, are hearing that and saying, well, then it's on you, my man, <laughs> you know, force the issue. That's what we're going to see. Uh, last couple of questions here on the Monday Smash. Uh, Tom and I have a question from R. Wilmer. Who have you seen at practice that is ready or close to ready to contribute in meaningful downs? That's a really good question. Um, you could go any number of ways. I'm going to say a name that's going to drive you all nuts, but I think some of the slot receivers are capable, and, and they do so at practice where you see a situation or a one-on-one. Like I think Destin Hill could have a big eight-game sequence coming up for Florida State. Uh, I've seen him make plays in practice. I, I think it's it's there to be made. Ira, blank canvas, offense, defense. What do you think? Who stood out to you? Yeah, no, uh, Dustin Hill is a good answer. 
I've started to wonder if maybe they don't feel super confident in every package that he knows exactly what he's doing. He's only been here since the summer. Um, and he hadn't played football for two years. There's no question Destin Hill has tons of talent. They have to get the ball in his hands, but or not they don't have to, but it would be great to get the ball in his hands. Um, so, you know, he'd be a good answer on offense. I think defensively a guy I really want to see that I think could get out there soon is, is Conrad Hussey. Um, it's safety. Uh, I think that, you know, listening to Adam Fuller t- talk today, he really wants those young DBs, also linebackers, but those young DBs, Conrad Hussey, KJ Kirkland, Quindarius Jones, um, maybe Edwin Joseph, maybe some of those guys to to assert themselves and demand to be out there. But Conrad Hussey to me might be one that guy. I think he's, uh, I think he's a future star. And the question is, can he get there? And I think Jeff made made this comment on the show today that you know his upside is probably higher than what you have out there in the older guys. The question is, can you get that out of him now? Um, so I, I think that's a guy I really want to see out there soon. One situational player I'll give you, uh, and I'm not saying an every down player, but situations. I think Kazai Holmes might have a bigger role moving forward too. He looks close and he's made some big plays last week specifically at practice where I'm saying, okay, well, if, if you're going to do that, then you might rotate in a little bit earlier. But that running back room is so crowded that who the hell knows how they're going to make sense of it with with the distribution. Well, the, the other problem they've had on offense, they just haven't had a lot of snaps. So it's hard to rotate a lot of guys in when you're, Starters are not playing that much. Yep. This will be the last question for tonight on Monday Smash. Thank you to everybody who's tuned in. Uh, Make sure to hit the like button underneath the video. Nearly 500 of you watching. And thanks to our sponsor, State Farm Agent Russ Forrest. From Joseph, how was the running game in fall camp when you guys were watching? Were you guys concerned in fall camp about the running game? What do you think, Ira? We never really talked about this during fall camp. It's a a great question, and I I appreciate you saying that, asking that question, Joseph, because somebody – I saw some comments on Twitter that – uh, you know, the feeling was that the media had built up the running game in, in camp um, because we, of how highly we talked about these offensive linemen. Um, two things there. Number one, what we talked up about the offensive linemen was the fact that you had this depth. I think if you go back and listen to what we were saying and probably most people on the beat were saying was you have eight experienced offensive linemen. That's not normal. But I don't think any of us were saying you've got a great offensive line or that you've got eight great offensive linemen. You had eight experienced, solid offensive linemen. Um, now, again, you were playing without a couple of them for this part of this, 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 uh, the last month. Um, I didn't, I never felt like in the off that, that from what we saw in camp, I, and I'm curious to hear what you think, Tom. I never felt like the running game looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't know, part of it's, it's hard to tell sometimes because the way they run a lot of times is that they don't go full contact. And, and so it's hard to tell whether or not a guy would have gotten through that hole. Um, would he have broken through an arm tackle or would he have gotten stopped? I mean, it's just because they don't tackle to the ground. It's just hard to get a great feel for that. But I never, I never walked out of a practice in the preseason thought, well, oh, the ground, the running game is going to be amazing. I think, what we all felt was you've got eight experienced offensive linemen. You've got a really smart offensive coordinator in Alex Atkins, a really smart head coach in Mike Norvell and a really talented backfield that should portend that they're going to be able to run the ball similar to what they did last year. But no, we, I I never felt from watching practices that, Oh, there's no question. They're going to be able to run the ball. Well, yeah, it's so hard to assess in the moment. 
um, because next to a quarterback sack being whistled dead in the open field, or, you know, you, you could see Jordan breaking away, but the official blows the whistle because he's in a non-contact jersey. The next hardest thing is the running game, like you're talking about. There isn't full contact. We don't see those scrimmages when that does happen. I thought there were a lot of ones and twos and run stuffs, you know, talking about those gains. But it's also difficult, Ira, because you're wondering, does that mean the defense is really good and the run defense has proven to be very good for Florida State? Uh, but there weren't days where they were shut out. I, I thought it was streaky. Like, they were explosive at times. And it's also hard to know, Ira, if you're calling your base or if you're trying to work on other things in the running game, maybe some different concepts, because you know you can run counter, or at least they thought that they could run counter with great consistency in fall camp. So I thought it was explosive in, in camp, but it wasn't the focal point. I thought Jordan making plays was the focal point of fall camp. If you're talking about how the offense got down the field, it was Jordan Travis making throws. It wasn't Trey Benson dominating a practice. Do you think that's fair? No, I agree with that 100%. And uh, and I also think, and that probably speaks to what we've seen in the first month of the season. You know, they've they've been, and again, I mean, I, I think part of it is you you brought in these weapons in the passing game. You know, today Alex Atkins talked about it. He said, look, you know, we're going to take shots. We think we've got better skill players out wide than the defense is going to have covering them and we've got a great quarterback in Jordan Travis, we're going to take shots. But the downside of that is it's going to look a little different than it did last year um, yeah. and it has in the past. But you'd like to be able to marry that with a more consistent running game. And no, you know, it, it, it hasn't been there. I'd still like to know. It's a question you know we can't answer, but I'd like to know what it would look like with Robert Scott and Maurice Smith for yeah. all these games. And, yes. and, you know, and again, the other thing is the back's, Trey Benson and Lawrence Tofili, I mean, they didn't wear – they wore non-contact jerseys a lot in the preseason as well because you don't want those guys to get hit and beaten up and then not be 100% when the season started. So you never really got to see them run with authority through tackles. And, you know, early the season, Trey didn't look like the same guy from last year, but we wouldn't have known that from practice. The coaches wouldn't have known that from practice. So there's a lot of reasons why, you know – I don't think there's any reason we would have been able to come to people during the preseason and say, guys, I don't know about this running game. And to your point, they did, you know, the, the runs we did see that you did notice were, were the explosives where, man, they hit it and they were gone. And, and, you know, it's hard to evaluate the play to play. Yeah. And and maybe that's a a larger topic that we can discuss in the off season. It's just, you know, should the running backs be live more? So you know what you have Uh, Mm -hmm. and does it take them a while to get up to speed because they're, they're not always live and it wasn't the case for every player, but you know, maybe maybe there's something to that, Uh, but there's plenty of time to break all that down as Florida state. Now eight more games in the regular season, finally starting to play at home. This is a fascinating time for Florida state to be a top five team in the country. They get the two big wins that in the preseason we all circled. And yet, you know, there is still a lot more that you want to see out of them. How do they get to the point where they could be dominant and leave no doubt in the minds of pollsters or the playoff committee or everybody on warchant.com's largest FSU fan community message board. It's time, sir, for uh, that one more thing. Promo it. What do we got this week at, at Warchant? What are you interested in and excited to share for the folks on the website side before we sign off today? Yeah, we'll be talking a lot about writing a lot about what we talked about in the show. And one, the next big story I think that we're going to have is about the running game and and kind of getting it going. Some of the reasons why it hasn't succeeded so far and why it might going forward. Um, but yeah, practice gets back at it tomorrow, like you said, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, so we'll have coverage out there. We'll have looking ahead to what Virginia Tech offers. We've got some recruiting coverage as well. Michael's got his five 
top targets to watch for the 2025 class, which is hard to believe, man. They're uh, they're already hot and heavy on the 2025 kids because they have 21 commitments. It's the number six class in the country for 2024. So he's got to look at that as well. And then I think he's trying to get up with uh, a couple of the current players who are going to be in town. Uh, this is the one cool thing about this game. It's only the second home game. So they're going to have a lot of visitors. It's the first ACC home game. So a lot of recruits are going to be here this weekend. So yep. we'll also be previewing that. Some of the guys who are going to be here for uh, uh, recruiting visits this weekend. Yeah, that's like uh, you know having a, the ball for one possession in the first quarter. Florida, that's right. happened to Florida State, Iowa, but with recruiting, I, I saw there was one question: what what gives? Well, if you're never at home, you can't have right. visits. You can't host these weekends, and, and so you'll, you're going to hear more about Florida State and kids being on campus. That's all coming to Warchant.com. It's always free here on Warchant TV. Like the video, hit the subscribe button. Wake up, Warchant comes your way tomorrow morning, live with Corey. Well, live, uh, live to tape. With Corey and Aslan, that'll be on your feeds, on your pod feeds, on Warchant TV. We've got practice coverage and 1 o'clock seminal headlines here on the channel tomorrow. The guys are going to mix it up. Are they going to be in the same studio? Ira, are you declaring yourself eligible uh, to be in the studio tomorrow? I'm there. Is everything set up? Are the facilities okay? Are we all good to go? If we are. Hey, Jimbo over here. Facilities are fine. <laughs> There's more than enough facilities here to get a win. But, yes, uh, but, uh, the studios, yeah. they had some fiber issues today that they had to work through. Okay. But everything should be A-okay yeah. at the 93-3 studios. No, we'll be there. And I vow, I promise, I'm going to be there for the entire two hours this time. I'm not going to – I'm just not going to have to kick me out uh, for uh, coughing this time. Yeah. You're not like that. Uh, some of those offensive and defensive linemen that during camp, they're like, hey, you know what? I'm done. Let me go sit over here for a couple of plays. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to try to, uh, I'll, I'll be better than that. Uh, I will say thanks again to everybody that, that watch them. I, mean, I know you're going to wrap it up, but, yep. but, uh, every, every time we do these, we move it around a little bit from Sundays to Mondays. And we really appreciate everybody that keeps coming back and, uh, participating in the conversation. That's the big thing. If you're going to watch these shows, get in the chat, participate, and, uh, maybe we'll, we'll talk and answer your questions. This is one of my favorites that we've done, Iron, just in terms of the questions themselves. This is, you know, this is a fascinating, uh, team to watch and I, everybody's tuned in you know everybody is is really interested to see what comes next so join the conversation over on the message boards at warchant.com one dollar for your first month uh thank you to robert for his contribution to the program to spencer what's up spence to hope you're doing well my friend and everybody else who brought those questions you make the show better as ira said uh and this has been the monday smash presented by state farm agent russ for his for irish ofell director ben behind the scenes who did a kick-ass job as always my name is tom lang we will talk to you on warchant tv next time